Father, this morning we just come to you. We come with simple faith. Absolutely simple faith. The oldest who is listening to the youngest, all of us come as children to our Father. With absolute trust and faith in the goodness, in the love, in the kindness, in the mercy and the absolute power of God of every situation we are facing. All those who are listening is not going through the virus. But they may be going through something else. It may have been in their life for a long time or something that is recent. It doesn't matter. We bring it all to you, Father. We bring all our problems. We bring all our fears. We bring all our doubts. We bring everything before thee, Lord. And we lay it at your feet. Because you said, cast your burdens onto Jesus. We lay it at your feet and we leave it there, Lord. You are able, more than able to handle all our issues. Every issue of ours. And after laying at your feet, we will stand up by faith. And we will gaze at your face. And our liberty comes from that one look. You said, look up and live. And we have come to a ministry of life and not of death. For you are our life. You told Israel thousands of years ago, I said before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. And then you said, I am your life. And Jesus, when you walked on earth, you showed us how God was your life and you told us, you are our life. So we choose life this morning and not death. We choose healing and health and not sickness. And we declare in your presence, we shall live and not die and declare the works of God. We live for one purpose, to declare your works. One purpose, to glorify you. So anybody in any country who's infected with this disease or any other disease, I speak healing into your body in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I take authority in the name of Jesus and I command that spirit of infirmity to leave in Jesus' name. I command every oppressing spirit from the devil to leave in Jesus' name. I command the spirit of distraction, restlessness, to leave in Jesus' name. All you have to do is simple faith, receive the deliverance of the Lord. For whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. For us to live or die, both is gain. cannot be defeated anymore unless we choose defeat. For Christ has overcome. That same Christ in us through faith takes us in triumph each day. So let this day be a triumphant for everyone who is listening. A day of victory. A day that brings great glory to our Father in heaven. That our Father can Point to his people, his children and say, 
Is there anyone like that who believes in the work of my son? Father can declare in the heavens, I am well pleased with him. I am well pleased with her. I am well pleased with that child. Faith arise this morning. Faith arise this morning. And believe for your unbelieving family members. If your husband doesn't believe, believe for him today. If your wife doesn't believe, believe for her today. If your children do not believe, believe the Lord for them. Lord, I know. I will see one day them all turning to the Lord. That's what the jailer was told. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and your household shall be saved. Believe today that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than can we can imagine. More than we can imagine. Believe. Father, we just come to you, Lord. All we want to say is, Lord, we believe. You are absolute and all things are possible with thee. So we lay all of our burdens, all of our prayer requests, everything at your feet. Come, Lord Jesus, be magnified in our lives. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Now we'll go into the word, straight away into the word. If you've been there with us the past eight days, today's the ninth day? Yeah, day nine? Okay. Day 9. And we are continuing each day. And those who have joined in recently, remember it's all there either on our web page or on our YouTube page or maybe even on the Facebook page. Uh, yeah, Facebook. You can even join our Facebook, okay? You will not see anything on our Facebook except the message. We don't chat. There is no social, nothing over there. It's solely dedicated to the Lord. So the past two nights when I've been teaching and Pastor uh, Vijay has been teaching primarily on the work after salvation, on sanctification, how, how to allow the word of God to search us. But we saw who is a believer. We saw the only life that is acceptable for a believer before God. And we saw what is the greatest sin before God. Once again, we'll go to that most familiar verse, John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish. The only thing God demands is that we believe in Him. And we keep on believing in Him. When we come to Christ, we believe on one thing, that He died for my sins. And He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose on the third day. And because I believed in that fact and I repented, I am saved. That's all primarily most of us knew when we believed. But belief doesn't stop there. We continue believing as God starts exposing himself, revealing himself through his son, through the ministry of the word, through the Holy Spirit. That is what Jesus also did after he rose again. 
through the Holy Spirit, he started teaching about the kingdom of God, which is the life of God, because the kingdom of God is encompassed by the will of God, the life of God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. If you look at verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he does not believe is condemned already. So people think they are condemned because of their works. No. Nobody is condemned because of their works. That is secondary. They are all condemned because God has given them a solution to their works. And they don't receive that solution. Let us say I have, I am, I am, I am really ill. Okay, let's say I am really ill. And Dr. Richard gives me a prescription. He says, take these antibiotics for three days. And the diagnosis is absolutely right. Medicine, perfect, but I don't take it. Now, why am I in the ICU? Because I didn't believe. I didn't believe the solution that was right given to me. If I had taken that solution, my sickness would have been gone away. People are dying because of the sickness called sin. And God has given a solution. And his solution is my son. Take him. Imbibe him. Believe in him. Let him become your life. That's what Jesus meant. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. My life has to become your life. The more my life becomes your life, the more you are saved. And we know from Hebrews, he is able to save us to the uttermost. All those who come to him. That's what believing means. So all those who are condemned are not condemned because of their actions, because of their sickness. They are condemned because they did not take God's prescription. God's prescription is his son. But those who believe, that is what we call faith, they put their trust in Jesus alone. Not any work of the law or good works. Okay. If you go to Romans 3 verse 21 to 24, we'll just go through, recap. Romans 3 verse 21. Now the righteousness of God apart from law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Let it be put in terms of coronavirus. Now the health, the healing and the health of God is revealed apart from all medication. Okay. Apart from all medication, isolation, quarantine, antibiotics, Ventilators, a healing and health of God is revealed apart from everything man can do. Then only we'll understand what God is offering. He put salvation in that terms. Everything and anything that you can do, ultimately, you die. But God is offering you 100% sure solution. And that is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Why this faith in Jesus Christ? Why can't I believe in God alone? It doesn't work that way because Jesus Christ is the one who did the work of God. You're believing in God, but believing in the work of God that he did through Jesus Christ. Why do you have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ? Because that is the name that saves Okay, God doesn't have a name, but when he came onto earth and he lived our life, he gave a name to himself. It is Yeshua, the one who saves. Okay, one who saves. 
somebody who lives in eternity who does is not caught in time who has no beginning or an end cannot have a name the very name signifies you have a beginning and end born date of birth and date of death in between we are caught in history so if we we give god give a name he's caught in history so when god stepped into history he gave himself a name that's jesus christ but even that name describes what god is doing through that okay describes what he's doing even the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ to all and on all who believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace that's the key freely no price to be paid freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus justified freely okay so when we are just god is declaring you are righteous and then once you have been declared just all those who are listening all those who are saved are those who have been declared righteous not forgiven declared without sin that's what god it's not enough to be forgiven it's not enough to be forgiven you have to be declared without sin you have to have that new nature that's why in the old testament nobody overcame sin that's why in the new covenant anybody everybody can overcome sin because your nature has changed inside okay just then if you are just there's only one way of life there are no two ways of life for the believers romans 117 galatians 311 hebrews 1038 all three says the same but we shall look at only one the just shall live by faith we cannot live any other way this is one thing believers need to understand and the ministry of the word of god is always to bring us back to it our problem is we understand this concept in a very weird way the just shall live by faith so when we have a problem we try to apply faith to that the rest we do it our own way and god does not say that god does not say the just shall apply faith to their troubles the just shall apply faith to their trials just shall apply faith to their sicknesses he doesn't say he says you shall live by faith your entire 24 hour day 7 days a week life is determined by faith and faith alone there's no other way to live so if you go back to the law romans 8 verses 8 to 9 Okay, back to the world, or back to the world. Okay, this is well. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Remember, the spirit comes in, spirit. So it is not just the written word, because the Jews in the old covenant were in the flesh with the written word. In the flesh with the word outside. the law outside but we are in the spirit with the law written inside the spirit of the law that is the difference so god says you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you that's the key if the spirit of god dwells in you if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he is not his the bible does not say if anyone has not memorized scripture 
He is not his. He says you can memorize the entire scripture and not be God's. Memorize the entire scripture and not be. Okay. That's the key. Okay. Think about a child outside. The child outside has been watching me. He's taken pictures. He's all, if you go to his room, all the pictures he has is about me. And he has all my sermons. Does he become my son? No. He doesn't become my son. To become my son, he needs to be born of me. He needs to be born of me. That's what God is talking about. Okay, Flesh gives birth to flesh. So, born of flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So, we have to be very, very careful. It uses discernment how you deal with people because a lot of people have scripture, but they don't have the spirit. And because they have scripture, we think they have the spirit. And when you deal with them, you realize this is all flesh. And we wonder why are they acting like that. It's because they don't have the spirit. And if you come to verse 13, scripture says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So he says, without the spirit, you cannot even try this. It's not even possible. You need the spirit. Okay. And then in verse 14, He shows us the narrow way. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay. Now to be led, you need to hear. You need to hear. Hearing, hearing means your faculties. It can be seeing or hearing. Okay. See, like if I say like this, like if I say like this, three people sitting there will say me, me, me. Okay, if I say Peter, then it becomes very very more clear, very more specific. Okay, so when you use hearing, there is sight and there are ears. But ears are more important than the eyes when it comes to God. So though God talks about eyes, even though they have eyes, they do not see. They have ears, they do not hear. But always he repeats about the ears and very little about the eyes. Very little about the eyes. It's a hearing that matters, okay? So if you cannot hear, you cannot be led. Cannot be led. So the hearing is the most, most, most important part. So we will use illustrations today from scripture to establish this way of life. Because one of the best things that has happened to Christendom in our lifetime is this quarantine. You can sit at home, listen to the messages, reflect on it, Study on it and learn how to live this life of faith. The first thing, every believer, believer, I'm talking to believers and would-be believers, every believer has to do every day is to rest and not to work. Okay? Rest and not to work. Okay. Rest in what? First, in the work of God in Christ. First, rest in the work of God in Christ. No, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing after today, you should open your eyes and open up your mouth and say, God is perfectly satisfied with the work of Christ Jesus for salvation. I don't have to do one thing to get saved. 
pressure is off your shoulder. God is absolutely, totally, perfectly satisfied with the work of Christ Jesus when it comes to salvation. This is the fear. Am I saved? Am I saved? What more do I have to do? I have to pray two more times? Do I have to fast three more days? This got nothing to do with salvation. First rest you enter. It's the rest of salvation. Every day you have to, you have to enter into that rest. Not one more thing is required. When Christ said it is finished, it is finished. And it is an insult to God if you try to add to the work of Christ. All we do after that is we fall because the flesh is still there. We are just learning how to handle the flesh when we fall. Is repent and confess. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John 1 9. Listen carefully. Look at that care. If we confess our sins. Why do we have to confess our sins to God? Confession is like bringing something that is in the dark into the light. What is in the dark is controlled by the powers of darkness. What is brought into the light is set free from the powers of darkness. So we have to confess. If we don't confess, the devil will have a hold on it. So don't get upset when you go through times of fasting and prayer and maybe like messages like Pastor Vijay gives, like, you no know, tough messages. And the Holy Spirit brings into your remembrance things from the past. Don't doubt, oh my gosh, am I saved? I never repented of this 20 years ago when I got saved. No, he's just bringing something out of the dark so that, you no, know, that is the hold the enemy has over your life. He says, I brought you, you forgot, I was waiting for the time. Bringing into your remembrance from the darkness. Now confess and let it go. Let it go. You're not questioning your salvation. Okay? You're questioning your salvation. You're just bringing things out of the dark. Okay? Out of the dark. And releasing it in the light of God. And it is gone. And even when you do that, don't put your faith in your confession. That's not what brings it. It is. He is faithful. He is just. You're banking not so much on your confession because people then sit with a 21-day fast and a big register. Oh, Lord, show me. Okay. Lord, January 22nd. Okay. January 22nd, 3 p.m. Okay. Now you're putting trust in your confession. Gone back under the law. Gone back under the law. This is a problem with the law. The law said, keep the Sabbath day and you shall do no work. One law. They made around 600, I forgot the number I can give you, some 636 different divisions of it. What work you can do on a Sabbath and what work you do not, cannot do on Sabbath. So they went through. Because there are certain works which you have, which you have to do on a regular. You can't just lie on your bed on a Sabbath day because you have to do. So the they came up with, okay, if you do this, this is work according to Sabbath. If you do this, it is not. Even today, you go to where Jewish dominant communities, there is some, if I'm right, my memory, it's called the Iruva line. It is a line, if you go to Manhattan and all these places, you will see like a clothes line from one section to another section in a circle, meaning on a Sabbath day, you can only walk till there, and that's the distance you are allowed, till today. Check it on Google after the service is over. Till today. One law. 
one law. They interpreted it into 600 subdivisions of the law. You go back under the law, you are finished. If you try to repent legally, you are done. You are done. First, remember you are forgiven. And whatever God is bringing into your, out into your memories for your deliverance, not to tell you are not saved. So don't worry about it. And even your confession is not what is setting you free. He is faithful. He is just. Lord, I have confessed and I believe I am forgiven. And I believe I am free. Why? Because you are faithful. You are forever faithful. And you are absolutely just. You will not say one thing and do the other. If you said, I confess and you, I am cleansed of unrighteousness, that is it. I am not going to listen to anything anybody says after that. It doesn't matter what it was. I believe what you said. You said you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe it. That's enough. You see, faith matters. Faith really, really matters. Because sometimes we don't realize we take something very godly thing called repentance and go under the law. Go under the law. No. We confess. He is faithful. Not only is faithful, he is just. He cleanses us from all unrighteous. Take it by faith. Okay? So you have to enter into that rest. That is the first rest Jesus talks about in Matthew 11 and verse 28. 11.28 Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Okay? This is the, the weight of sin, the weight of guilt. The weight of no, whatever anxiety, whatever this, whatever it is, come to me, he says. Whatever is weighing you down, each one's weight is different. Whatever is weighing you down today, maybe an unsaved spouse, a rebellious child, whatever it is, God says, come to me. You're laboring. Your mind is occupied, preoccupied. The labor is here. Labor is here in your mind, in your soul. And you're not even able to focus on the message because it is there. Like, you know, yesterday, if you look at Sami and Roshan, uh, the first part of the message, did you listen? No. Why? Because they were laboring over that battery over the camera. And they have to, right? They have to handle it, okay? That's why you always say there is a preparation for Sabbath. Preparation for Sabbath, okay? Sabbath, that if you have done everything... Before that, you know, like we have done now. Like why is that it has come and quarantine has come and God told us, okay, you need to preach twice a day, 14 times a week, 16 times a week. And uh, we are not uh, like uh, anxious about it. Because like uh, like, uh, Joseph, during the times of plenty, we stored enough. We stored enough. Now in the time of famine, it's easy to bring it out. The ones who panic are the ones who haven't done their homework. Each one is called to do their own homework. Right now, the Sammy and Roshan are not to be blamed because this was not their homework. They were not called to do this out of, but all the stuff they have been doing suddenly came into use. Everything, everything fit into. So Sammy was telling me that one part, he went all around the city before the lockdown came. He didn't get it. If he had got it, it's just flipping a switch. So without that, he's been flipping many switches. <laughs> okay, okay. 
But remember, you need to realize it's all got to do with when you are focused, you like something, you're focused on it and you're getting good on it. And then when the time comes, God takes it out and he uses it. And it's a blessing for so many. And you also need to realize on a normal Sunday, actually today it's a normal Sunday. In the time of famine, we are preaching to many, many times more people than the ones who actually were there at church. You need to understand how scriptural principles work, whether it is of God or not. Okay, so it does not matter. So the first rest is, come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So the first thing we do is enter into that rest. Lord, I cast my fears about my future, everything into thy hands, O Lord. Rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and Hebrews 4, 10 and 11. Genesis 2, 1 and 2. The heavens, on the seventh day, everything was finished. All of the work God did. On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And verse 3 will say, he blessed and sanctified that day, hallowed that day. That's from where you get that term, hallowed. Okay, The first time, if I'm right, the word is used in the Bible. He hallowed one day. Okay, not two. Okay, you are going into Hebrews 2. It was four. And okay, so he rested on the seventh day. You need to understand the fundamental principle. God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Okay, so first day of creation, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And we know man was made on the sixth day. Animals on the sixth day and the end of God's creation is man. After everything, the last part of God's creation is man. So on the sixth day, God created man. Everything is over. And the seventh day, God rested from his work. But the seventh day is man's first day. Seventh day of creation, man's first day. So God says, this is the principle I'm putting for you. Man does not work and rest. Man enters into God's rest first. And it's a very difficult thing for us. This you have to, you have to really struggle to do that, but you need to win that struggle. It's a battle every day. This is a principle. You don't work and rest, then you become God. And you realize you cannot handle it because there is only one God. And you are not God. So I will tell you how you can handle it. First enter into my rest. And then go out and work. Okay, so when you turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. You will see this is the print 10 and 11, 10 and 11. For he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What is that we have to be diligent about? Not work first. About rest first. About entering into God's rest. That is why the seventh day that is coming. Six days of creation. Six days, six thousand years will be over. Then the seventh day's beginning is when Jesus comes with his saints. And Jesus, it won't be Ram Raja, it will be Christu Raja. He will rule for a thousand years. And why is that time called rest? Because it's easy for every. Everybody to work because they know what to do. Because God Christ will and the saints will tell them exactly what to do. 
Nobody has to worry about what to do. Everybody's confusion is what should I do. But during when Jesus reigns and the saints reign, everybody will know what to do because it's very clear. Everybody will have rest because the power is supplied by God. Everybody will have rest because the provision comes from God. Everybody will be at rest because there will be no violence, no sin, nothing manifested outside. Okay? Rest. So the principle is there. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And rest has a posture. Okay? Go to the second one. That is 1129. Continue further into the rest, 11, 29, 30. Oh, not Hebrews, sorry, Matthew. Not Hebrews. Matthew 11, 29, 28 is what we read, 29 and 32. Jesus goes further. Okay, you want to continue entering into that rest and being resting from your sin is one thing. How do you walk further? We all rested our sins with Christ someday in the past. But after that, what has happened? That is the second part he is saying. This is how you live by faith. First, you are saved by faith. You are saved by faith. That's one day. One day you got married. That was the wedding day. And then the marriage begins. That is where the trouble comes. Okay? The trouble comes. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So that's the second rest we need. For my yoke is easy and my burden is easy. He comes and tells, take my yoke. The yoke of the law is gone. The yoke of the world is gone. You have to take my yoke upon yourself. And you have to learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls and my yoke is easy. So, in this second part, Yoke, rest. There also, the whole thing is that you will find rest. There is a posture for rest. Like there is a posture for listening. We parents used to be tough, right? Our parents and we try and then when they grow up, we give it. Incline your ears. So Ephesians 2, 6. There is a posture, a spiritual posture for rest. He has raised us up together and made us sit together. So posture of rest is sitting. Okay, sitting. Now, this is not a, it's a physical thing, but not a physical thing. It's a spiritual. You can be sitting and not be sitting. Okay. It is not whether you are sitting or not. The question is, where are you sitting? Where are you sitting? Where are you sitting? In Christ Jesus. If you are seated, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, there is rest for your soul. Then from that vantage position, you're looking at the coronavirus. And you have rest. If you're sitting here, you're also sitting in your home in isolation in the chair and you're looking around, you have no rest for your souls. So this is a spiritual poster of rest. Where are you sitting? So the first discipline of a child of God is rest. And you have to struggle every day to enter into that rest. By faith. By faith. Okay. And that's why you need to know all the scriptures that are connected to this. About God. Get to know God more and more and more and more and more. Let us look at an example, well-known example for us. In the ministry of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Luke 10. We'll go words by words. 
Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Okay? So he went to village, he went to a house and there is a lady called Martha. We know very well Martha, Mary, Lazarus, three people in that house. Martha seems to be the oldest, the head, there seems to be no parents, so these are three siblings living together and scripture says she welcomed Jesus into her house. And we all do that. We all welcome Jesus into our house. We all do. And she had a sister called Mary. Now that narrative changes. The second person introduced. We believe Lazarus was not there in the house that day. So there is Martha who welcomed. Mary was also there. So I believe Mary was also part of the welcome. So Martha welcomed. Let us say Mary also welcomed. It cannot be otherwise. Martha welcomed and Mary says, I don't want him here. That can't be possible. So Martha and Mary welcomed. And there, after that verse 2, there is a digression of what two people did in the church. Both people came to the church. Both of you are sitting in your house. Both of you welcome Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, today is Sunday. I am sitting at you. I am here. And then there is a digression. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary also, meaning there might have been others along with the disciples. There have been others. But Martha was distracted. Okay? So there is a digression there. Mary was sitting. Martha was distracted. The question is, distracted from what? She was distracted with much serving. Much serving. Okay? Distracted. Could be anything. In her case, it was serving. She suddenly realized, oh my gosh, the Lord has come. He's come with another 12 people. And now he has come. There are others also have come along with them to hear the word. Now as a hostess, shouldn't I have to feed all these people? Earthly concerns have taken over spiritual necessities. Okay? The kingdom of God the kingdom of world, the kingdom of world has gone over the kingdom of the Okay, that's what happens. Okay, that's what happened. Matthew 13 and verse 22. Jesus talks about it. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this. Martha also heard the word. Okay, but it made of no effect because her mind was distracted. That's why it's a labor to enter into his rest. If there are no distractions, then you don't have to labor. You don't have to labor. Okay, you have to labor because God knows the reality. You live in this world with all its problems and all its attractions, problems and attractions. That is the wealth and the problems. And you have the flesh too. This body which is connected to this world. Okay, we are not living in the otherworldly experience. We are living in the, within the body experience. So you have all these cares. And the cares, do they bring distract? The word is also there. In the house, okay, it's, it's, it's a simple thing we all go through. The word is being preached. We have the word in our head, in our mind, and we have all these cares and distractions. And what happens? They choke the word. They choke the word. Why did he choke the word? Because we did not enter into his rest. So you cannot blame your problems. Because the problems are the same. Mary is there, Martha is there. It's their house. 
So both are facing the same problem. 20 people have come into the house. All have to be fed. But one chose to sit down. One chose to be distracted. It's a choice. It's a choice one makes. The problems are identical for both. That's what we talk about in the book of Ruth. Naomi is a widow. Ruth is a widow. And Ruth is in a worse shape than Naomi because Ruth is going into hostile land as a pagan. Well, Naomi is returning to her homeland. She's got everybody whom she knows, but she's proud, so she will not go out. And this is a Gentile girl. But both are widows. This one has lost a husband and her son. This one has lost a husband and has no sons. So both are widows, but they react completely differently. So don't blame your problems. Don't blame your problems. It's our response to our problems. What is our spiritual posture? Mary, scripture says, sat down. Why did she sit down? It's not that she did not have burdens. No, she cast her burdens onto Jesus. We know that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, for brothers who are watching. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for by now they have heard the testimonies of Jesus, what he is all. The problem is with our faith is that we are able to apply our faith on one area and not able to apply our faith on another area. We are like the children of Israel. Okay, he parted the Red Sea, but can he give us food? Okay, he gave us food. Oh, he gave us food, but can he give us water? He gave us water. Oh, he gave us food, water. Can he give us meat? That's our problem. We compartmentalize our faith. Compartmentalize our faith. Okay. That's our problem. Our faith, it, it, it's, it's like we leave streaks on the wall of our soul. I, I believe this, I believe this, and the rest of these dark areas. We don't whitewash the whole thing with the word of God. We leave streaks. Okay. That's the difference between a zebra and a horse. They're both horses. But the zebra has got streaks. You know? It's a joke. It's like the guy who bought his first camera and put a color film and took the picture of a zebra. <laughs> the photographers understood it. Okay? So do we understand what's happening over here? If Jesus could do all these things, we have to grow in our faith. That's what. We have to grow. I believed him in this. Okay, I believed him in this. I believed him. These areas are there unfilled. You know what? I'm going to put a blank check. All things are possible with God. I'm going to just sit down. I'm going to just sit down. I'm just going to sit down. That's why I'm, I'm not even asking anybody. Like, please, you know, we have all these things to take care of. Sammy will post you the church account number, send in your offerings, tithes, this week. I'm not even asking. If the quarantine was decided by God, the provision also will be decided by God. I'm not going to fear. I've never feared all these years. So why should I fear now? It's now when I should exercise even more faith than before. It's a test of my faith because at the end of the day, I'm at the top where I have to take the decisions and I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I believe it will come through. It will come through. It has come through because everything is a test of faith. Do you believe I am faithful? The integrity and the very character of God we cannot question. Because when, this is the problem with unbelief. Unbelief is questioning the character of God. And I cannot question the character of God. I believe it will come through. You will be clear this month also, like you have taken through us every month, 
in spite of everything you will take us through that actually this uh, like we are eating too much you know but it's good because you know the problem is you know what happens i'll tell you take it spiritual children are all watching listen our major issue is that when a problem comes we start fasting and praying but that's not when you fast and pray fasting and praying should be your lifestyle so that when the problem comes you know how to handle it you feast then you eat then because now you need strength to do your work because the work has come but you were not preparing for the work when the work came you were always preparing so when the trouble came you know what to do you know the pro- that's what jesus says when you fast okay when you fast It's already been then when the day of evil comes. That is not the day you put on the belt of truth. You always have been wearing it. So now that the, uh, what you call the day of evil has come, you stand. You stand. You stand. That's okay. That's okay. No problem. Don't get distracted. Doesn't matter. Okay. Martha was distracted. And because she was distracted, she did not listen. She did not listen. Think about it. The very living word is in a sitting room. God is speaking to her. Literally, God has entered into how many houses did Jesus actually go? And repeatedly, what a blessing! Jesus has gone into the house and He is speaking. Now you know the word is coming into your houses. Are you sitting? Are you sitting? And don't blame your children. Don't blame your children, because you know what? All our children, and I know there are so many children in our homes who are sitting there with their notebook and pen, and they are listening. You know why? They're all children, but some children were taught the value of the word of God and trained in it. So don't blame your children, and don't feel condemned. Start now, start now, and say, you know, all these things can be taught. And how do I know? Because I get all the pictures from the mothers. They send me the photos of all the notes the children have written, and I get excited by all the things the children are doing. Because who said you cannot teach a child? You can teach a child. I'm not talking about babies. I'm talking about the small ones. Okay. So this discipline has to be learned in these twenty-one days. How to be still? The word is coming into your living rooms now. Are you listening? Are you concentrating? Because the living word came into Martha's living room, and she remained unfruitful. Because the cares choked her, choked her. So we have to decide practically, mentally prepare both our sisters. Same space, same preacher, same word. One heard, one didn't, and two different reactions. And Jesus, and she comes and accuses the Lord. That's the problem. You know when you accuse the Lord? Because you did not hear from the Lord. You know when we accuse the Lord? It's when we don't hear from the Lord, we accuse the Lord. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. You know why you accuse God? Because you did not hear from God. You know in that 40 years in the wilderness, there was only one man who never complained. And his name was Moses. You know why? Because he heard. You know why all the others complained? Because they never heard. They never heard. Jesus' reaction is there in verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. What is that good part? She has learned how to enter into my rest. One thing. One thing. One thing. She has learned to hear. And you will see the difference if you go to John chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. Did Martha learn that lesson? No. But she's a nice girl. Okay, no issue. She doesn't get offended or anything. Six days before. Now this is the end of Jesus' ministry. Six days before. That means this is his last visit to that house. They don't know. He's not going to come into that house again. Last opportunity in that house to serve him. Well, Lazarus who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, they made him supper and Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Martha is still serving. Thank you, Martha. You're still busy. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had money box, and he used to take what was put in. So we have a secret about Judas here. Let's leave Judas out. Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Did you see that? Why did Mary do this? Because she heard. From whom? Not Jesus. From the Holy Spirit. You know how she heard from the Holy Spirit? Because she had learned to sit at the feet of Jesus. When you learn to sit with the word, you will learn to hear from the God of the word. When you sit with the word, you have to be addressed. You cannot be restless before the word. There is a preparation even to read your Bible. This is not religion. The purpose and the intention behind reading the Bible is to hear the God of the Bible speak to you. So Mary had a discipline of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. So she heard something nobody else heard. None of the disciples. One of the disciples totally misunderstood and accused her for a work of God that is being done through her. This is the problem with people who do not hear from God. They accuse those who hear from God. And she is doing a word that is preparing Jesus for his glory. And only he, she heard. Even the disciples did not hear. If Peter had heard, Peter would have asked Mary, do you have any oil here? Why? Because I heard from the Spirit something. The Lord needs to be anointed today. Nobody heard. Nobody heard. So it's not how long you walked with Jesus in the physical realm. Are you hearing when you're walking? Are you hearing when you go to, I've gone to church for the past 50 years. Good for you. Are you hearing? Are you here? You cannot take it out because that's the most important component of faith. Faith comes from hearing. You take hearing out, everything is gone. How do you live by faith? This is the most fundamental principle of faith. Faith hears. Faith hears. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 to 10.
By grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So that's the beginning of its salvation. Verse 10, we are his workmanship, meaning you are saved now from inside. The spirit of God has come. A new person has been born inside, created in Christ Jesus. Okay, you are in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works which God prepared beforehand, we should walk in it. So before we were formed here, God had already prepared what you should do. Now that I am here, my priority should, I need to hear what is that I have to do. There's a lot of things which is already written of how I should live. That's a different thing. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the works I need to do. Those are the works of faith. Should I feed the poor? Yeah, if you see a poor, feed it. Why? You don't have to be told about that. It's written already. Okay. Okay. That's all there. That's all there. We are not talking about that. We are talking about something that is specific to everyone. Certain things which is written for you in his book. In your book. These are the works of faith. Your faith. Works of your faith. Works of my faith, works of his faith, works of your faith, the Raja's faith, works of your faith. And it's important. Absolutely important. Because he, look at that. God prepared beforehand that we should, we should walk in them. Should walk in them. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We should walk in them. We walk by faith, not by sight. There are a lot of things the world is controlled by sight. Believers are different. Believers are controlled by faith. And there are a lot of things which match with sight and faith. A lot of things match. Common areas. Honesty, integrity and all. Everybody will know religion will say lie. Nobody will say that. Okay? Cheat. Okay? Unless it's the old Red Indian religions. But that was also different. Red Indians were like this. That... uh, if I steal from my tribe, then I am a thief. But if I steal, manage to steal from another tribe, his horse, I am a hero. Because I learned the art of how to sneak through everything and undetected and steal his horse. So you can be a warrior because you have learned how to move through the grass and the terrain and without being detected. And when you left, you left your tracks also. Basically for them stealing, they were training them to be warriors. Okay, so you have to read it their way, otherwise you will call them a thief. Okay, different cultures worked in different ways. Okay, worked in different ways. But these are religions. These are mans. But there are a lot of things they may be common. Common. Okay, but that's not what I are talking about. We are called to walk by faith. Faith life is a walk. Faith is a lifestyle. Sight is also a lifestyle. Sight is also a walk. But faith hears. What is the intention behind being still? To hear. To hear. And we have to identify within us the causes of restlessness. Deal with those things. Yeah? Right? No? While we were doing this live streaming and all sudden one crackle from there, we immediately identify. You know what? Sammy runs over to that, what you call that mixer, and he knows which knob to turn. If he turns the wrong knob, volume will come up from here. So he knows. Okay, I go over there, I wouldn't know what, there are 300 knobs over there, which one to turn? 
I wouldn't know. But somebody who has worked on that system will know the crackle is coming from here. I need to turn that off and then again audio is clear. We have to learn to identify what causes restlessness in us. You have to learn. That's how you love. It's not like our sadhu is going to the mountain and sitting like this and nothing has changed. After sitting there for 20 years, you come down and Apsara comes and dance and doom he goes and creates a Shakuntala. So what were you doing all that up over there? Hmm? What did you hear? You heard nothing. You heard nothing. Elijah went down to the mountain, heard he came and walked for 10 years and raised a generation who turned Israel upside down. That is hearing. He was also a sadhu in the Israeli terms. Another guy comes after this thing and all this poor Shaguntala is thinking about her boyfriend. And he looks at, oh, you didn't serve me? You'll forget the man whom you were thinking of. Gone. Did you hear? So he's saying, you know who I am? I am Sadhuji. Serve me first. Here is a genuine Sadhuji. He came and said, let me serve you first. Show me your feet. Let me serve you first. Who is the genuine Sadhu? Yeah, sure. And it is the fallacy of religion that you have these practices, but nothing changes because you haven't heard. You can sit still like this and come out worse than before because you did not hear. It is not your posture alone that matters. Did you hear? Have you dealt with the restlessnesses in your soul and handed it over to him? You cannot handle it on your own. You have to handle it one by one by one to him. Lord, I worry about finances. Lord, I am going to come every day. You said if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth, every day I am going to come and lay it at your feet, Lord, until it is gone. I lay my finances at your feet and I believe you are my provision, my provider. You will take care of me. Two days, three days, four days, five days. After some time you realize it's gone. It's gone. You know why it's gone? Because you actually really practically and spiritually laid it at his feet and he took it. The problem is every day you laid it earlier and then when you got up you took it back. One day you laid it there and he took it. And you are free. Faith has to be practiced over and over and over again until it becomes part of your soul. So these are all. So we have to, we have to learn. And remember, worry is a sin. Anxiety is a sin. Doubt is a sin. Unbelief is a terrible sin. Cast your burdens onto the Lord. Okay, Psalm 55, 22. Quickly. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Take a look at that. Take a look at that. Didn't God declare me righteous? Didn't he declare me just? Then he's speaking to me. He said, you shall not be moved. So why should coronavirus move me? I have to take the precautions. That is medical. That's all is good. But why should I be moved about me, about, about it? You said the righteous shall not be moved. And I'm not looking at, well, did I do anything righteous yesterday? Today I did something. No, you you declared me righteous. I will go by your verdict. And if there is anything unrighteous you are showing in me, I'm going to repent and I'm confess. And again, I'm going to bank it on your faithfulness and your justice. 
And he says, you cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all unrighteousness. I shall not be moved. Why? Because you said so. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Shall never permit the righteous to be moved. It's a spiritual position. Psalm 41 verse 13. Psalm 41 verse 13. Then we'll go to Philippians. Blessed be the God of his honor. I got it wrong. Okay, it's okay. Go to Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7. Oh, it was not Psalm. I think it was Isaiah 41, 13. That's enough. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) What does it say? Be anxious for? Does it say be anxious for certain things? Be anxious for almost almost everything? He says nothing. Apokate, be anxious for? (laughs) Okay. It doesn't stop there. But, in prayer, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let God know it. God already knows it. But for your relief, speak it out. Speak it out. Because, you know, when people are troubled and when they come and speak, even if there is no solution, they feel better because they let it out. Right? They let it, they pour it out. So God says, speak it out. Because if you speak it out, I have already known all your problems. You're not surprising me with it. I already know before you ask. But you speak it out, so you will feel good already. Okay, I spoke it, so he must have heard it. I'm not deaf anyway, but speak it out. And what will happen? Uh, we don't realize that is what we need. That is rest. That peace is rest. That rest passes all understanding. All understanding which will guard your heart and mind where? In Christ Jesus. So, I gave you a verse before that. No, no, no. I gave you a verse before that from the book of Psalms. I will not allow the righteous to be, permit the righteous to be moved. You look at that, you look at that. Now it is. And the Isaiah, what's it, that one? 41, 13? 41, Isaiah 41, 13. Yeah, it is Isaiah 41, 13. I mean, there are hundreds of them. Okay, I just picked three. Isaiah 41. I, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. Kya baat hai? Saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Can you imagine a father holding a child by the right hand? Holding it. I'll hold it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. That is what Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 3. And assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will know what does that mean here in this context. You need to have the faith the child has in its parent. Hmm? Do you think Abigail and uh, Emmanuel are worrying about the coronavirus? Absolutely not. Nothing. They have nothing. Joanna, Amun, no, Sarah, Ira, no, Josh. You look at any one of them. They have no worries in their head at all. You know why? 
But let their father or mother leave them alone for two minutes and go outside. Then you will suddenly realize the worry. I'm not, even when they are small, you are in the bathroom. I'm not open. No. You are there, but the door is shut. That's all. That's what Madhulika is to do with me even before she left. I said, Madhulika, wait, I'm coming. Papu, are you finished? I said, Madhu, just wait there. I'm coming. Grandma is sleeping outside. You just sit there. Outside. I put a chair for you outside. I'm inside. You just sit there. I'm there. So what does the child want? child wants to hear the voice of the parent a couple of times to know that everything is okay. The problem is that our God doesn't talk. We don't listen. <laughs> all of creation declares God. He's speaking all the time. And God says, do you know? So day nine of lockdown or more. And one set of people should be at rest. And our rest itself is testimony. Like little children. And all you parents sitting over there, you have to walk like that at home so that children will know and want the God of their fathers. And each day we have to labor to enter that rest. The lockdown is for us, not for God. God is not locked down. He's still speaking. And he's still moving around. Nobody can lock him down. So it doesn't matter which room you are locked down in, God visits you there. The prison doors and the chains were for Joseph, not for God. He walked into that prison. The fire was heated seven times over for the three boys, not for God. The lion's den was for Daniel, not for God. Walked in and walked out. Coronavirus is for us, not for God. God walks through the streets. He's not infected. He doesn't need a mask. He doesn't need sanitizers. Diseases flee before him. They don't run to him. We have to start thinking differently of God. That is faith. Our eyes should be on God. Question is, where are our eyes? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Where are our eyes? On whom? Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us aside every weight and sin. Meaning, first get rid of all these things that cause us restlessness. And looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Meaning, through this entire race, train, labor to keep your eyes on him. Eyes on him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This weight and sin has to be removed because that will bring you down. Bring your focus down. In Colossians we look, right? Chapter 3, 1 and 2. Where is your mind at that time like this? If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right. Your mind on things above, not on things above, on below. You know, it's good to read scripture but this is a practice daily. Daily. And God loves that. God is very pleased when we he sees the thoughts in our mind. He knows the feelings in our heart. And he hears the words of our mouth. And he sees the deeds of our body. Everything. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is hidden from God. And when God sees a man or a woman whose thoughts, emotions, words, 
and deeds are falling in line with his sort of he is incredibly pleased incredibly pleased that's what he was talking about jesus this is my beloved son i'm well pleased with him lot of people regularly faithfully attend church but miss hearing even now hearing requires that requires that atmosphere it, it you have to what you look and learn from old testament pictures of what god did and now i have to do it by faith they had to be done by sight deuteronomy let's go to deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 and 3 deuteronomy verse 2 and 3 you shall remember the the lord your god led you god led you yeah god led you the lord your god led you you need to remember that they were led where did they lead them into the a place of quietness so always have to realize from this pattern god took an entire nation and led them into the wilderness why did he lead them into the wilderness what kind of a place did he lead them into a quiet place so i also need quietness in the soul to hear from god i don't have to go search for a quiet place it's good if you have but if you even know to have you need to have that quietness in your soul away from distractions it's good to have a place like that he took them into a quiet place he not only led them into a quiet place he also led them to a quiet place where there were no resources no a quiet place without resources because if there are resources then the quiet place is irrelevant imagine you are like so lockdown has come and it's absolutely quiet not a dog is barking like written in israel and your bank account is full you are absolutely quiet and thinking once this is over how should i spend it you need to realize how he deals with his children he deals with his children differently he led them into the wilderness and into a place where they couldn't do anything they couldn't do anything what did he do to humble them what is the most humbling situation in our life when we are helpless that's why we need to understand the ways of god are so different from the ways of the world Why did the government proclaim 21 days of quarantine to stop the virus in its tracks? Why did God allow 21 days of quarantine for us to humble us? A different. God uses governments, but for us the purpose is different to humble ourselves. And then what the scripture says? He tested them. Led them into the wilderness. He tested them. only then we will really you know only tests reveal who we are so everything is a test what is inside comes out 
Okay, I told you about. It's not a joke. It was a real, real incident. I can't remember. I think 1930s or 40s. One news reporter decided to play a prank. There were around 12 or 13 uh, millionaires in Chicago or in one city. So he sent a letter or telegram to all the 13 of them. Same telegram he sent with one line. All is found, escape. 12 of them fled. <laughs> Fact that ran for their lives. One fellow stayed because he had nothing to flee from. His life was straight. Do you understand? The telegram was this. They look at the telegram. I am found and they ran. Last year there was an issue in the church. I sent a set of people the same message. It was BCC but. If you are involved in this mess, please leave quietly. Some people left. <laughs> they didn't know a lot of people got it and most of them didn't leave. Why did you leave? And they are saying, Pastor asked us to leave. I never asked you to leave. I never asked you to leave. I wrote very clearly, if you are involved in this mess, because I am looking at the church. I will not allow anything to happen to the church. If you are involved in this church, which is trying to mess up the church, please leave quietly. What you didn't realize is, it was like the telegram. Everybody got the same telegram. How come most of them didn't leave? Everything is a test. Please remember, everything is a test. Our issue is this. We worship God, praise and worship, but we don't learn the ways of God. And we learn the ways of God, how God leads his people. If you don't understand God, we don't understand his ways, and we don't understand his leading, and we don't appreciate his leading. Bible is very clear, he led them. There is a certain way God leads all his people. And the intention behind is to humble us. And we'll ask God, why do you lead me in such a way where I am humbled? He says, because I am humble. I am humble. Didn't I say, take my yoke upon yourself and learn of me, I am meek and lowly? So you want to walk with me, but I am humble and you are not. So I have to create situations, if you don't humble yourself, I have to create situations in your life, I bring you down to my level. You think I am up there? Yes, I am up there, but spiritually... When it comes to humility, I am down there and I want to come. You are sitting on your high horse over there. I want to bring you down to my level so that we can walk together. Isn't that what our life is all about? That's what he's talking about. And I want to really, really help you. Really, really, I'm there. You believe I am for you? Yes, Lord. And But why are you humbling me? Haven't you known? Haven't you heard? I give more grace to the humble. What is that you require in your situation? Lord, power. Yes, son, that is called grace. Grace is the power of God that saves you and did everything. But it can be only given to the humble. That's my way. That's my character. That's my nature. And I don't change it for anybody. Because if I change it for anybody, then I change. And I don't change. My character is what upholds this universe. I am set. I am set. This is our issue. But remember, God can create all these situations. That doesn't mean the situations humble ourselves, humble us, unless we choose to humble ourselves. 
That's why in First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, what does it say? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty It's a choice I have to make. Situations don't humble me. Situations are made, so it's easy for me to humble. Like we have set up everything. Easy for you to know. Roshan and Samian been working day and night. They figured it out. You have free audio. If you have no 4G, you have Facebook. If, you're for, if your internet is a little slow and you have uh, YouTube, if you, if you have got really good fast internet, three levels we have given to you. You don't even have to. You don't even have to step out of your front room because you are not allowed to. Sit in the comfort of your houses. Your children have vacation. Everybody has vacation. Everybody is locked in. We have made it all possible. But the question is, will you humble yourself and sit before the word? That's a choice. God can create a quarantine. God can lock down everything. God can put cops on the road. God can bring the army into the city and put them in every bylane. But that doesn't mean you will humble yourself. Now you have to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And when you don't, what is in our heart comes out. Because God is humble and God can lead only the humble. In so many ways, this 21 days of this coronavirus will define how the church in the world emerges out of it. Okay? Will we emerge even more humble, even more clarity of hearing and vision? That's the question. Or come out even more selfish and even more hardened? And verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The question is, how will you live? How will you live? Will you live by bread? Alone? Or will you live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? That was the problem with Martha. Martha was very worried about the food. You see, everybody is worried about food right now. Provisions, 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 provisions. Are we worried about food? We are not boasting. We are also hungry. Now we are fasting because they ate too much. So many of people are fasting and said, oh, I ate too much yesterday. We are eating continental Chinese Hyderabadi Dam Biryani. I don't know what all. Fish, meat, chicken. They said, this is too much. No? Martha couldn't hear. Martha couldn't hear. All of Israel for 40 years couldn't hear because they were defined by their hunger. You're defined by your hunger. Will you live by every word? Because faith is generated by hearing. God can only speak to the humble. God can only lead the humble. Are you getting the picture? Let's look at Numbers chapter 12 verse 3. Numbers 3. 12. Let's go to Numbers 12. And first read 12 verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. He was a very humble man. In this particular chapter, in this incident, there are three people. 
and you look read from verses 5 to 8 5 to 8 now the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. They both went forward. And he said, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in, when in dark sayings. And he sees the form of God. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So there are three people. Miriam is mentioned first. So Miriam. Aaron, Moses. Who is Miriam? Exodus 15 and verse 20. Let us identify by her profession. Professional call. 15.20. 15.20. Miriam the prophetess. So Miriam the prophetess, Aaron the priest, and Moses the shepherd. Okay? One has got a gift. Another has a position. The third man hears. The point is that the third man hears. He may not have a position, but he hears. The other has a gift. And that's the question God is asking. Why did you oppose the guy who hears? If you had any issue with him, why didn't you come to me and ask, Lord, I have a little issue. Is he right? I would have told you, stay back. Stay back. You had an issue with his wife, with his marriage. If you had an issue with your marriage, why didn't you come to me? I would have told you. You have an issue with his leading. I would have told you. God speaks. We actually serve a God who speaks. Will it change the way we think? We believe, we walk, we live. It is not the word of God alone. It is hearing and the word of God. Don't take hearing out. If you take hearing out, you become Lot. You put hearing there, you become Abraham. And your choice is what you want to be, Abraham or Lot. Both came out of judgment. One came through the fire. The other, fire didn't even touch him. That's the question. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Oh, I wish we could use Bible gateway and cut it into different, different, different translation. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Different translations, you should look at this one particular words because it is so, okay? Uh, ESV, RSV, no, KJV, NIV, all. Because this is the most important words connected with definition of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Faith has deep convictions and solid assurance. I like this translation. Yeah? Faith is being sure of what we hope for, absolutely certain, I'm putting Absolutely, they are certain of what we do not see. How deep are your convictions about things unseen? How deep are your convictions? Faith has deep convictions. Unshakable. Immovable convictions. Your faith has to go, not sideways, it has to go deep within until it is unshakable. In First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, this is what the Bible says. 
And then we'll go to First Peter. Watch, stand fast in faith. Be strong, be brave. Stand fast, steadfast, immovable, unshakable in faith. First Peter chapter five, verse eight and nine. Five, eight and nine. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about the devil, the demonic realm. The realm two is about realm three. Sorry, uh, uh, realm one. We are here, the demonic realm is here, and God is here. So God is here so that he controls this too. So he is sovereign over everything. But this is there, never forget it. This demonic realm overwhelms the world. And how do you resist him? Resist him steadfast in faith. If your faith doesn't have deep rooted convictions, you cannot resist the devil. Absolutely sure. If you are the son of God, turn. He says, I am absolutely sure who I am and therefore I absolutely know what to do. It is written. It is written. Steadfast. He knew the word, but the Holy Spirit brought to his remembrance what was the one to be used. And he had no doubt about the nature and the character of God. How deep are our convictions? Go back to Hebrews 11. That whole chapter, not a whole chapter, but Hebrews 11. That is the chapter on faith. Chapter 11 of Hebrews. We read one. Conviction of things not seen. Verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Why were they commended? Because they had deep convictions about their faith. Solid assurance and deep convictions about their faith. How deep is our conviction about God? How deep? Let's look at the first thing they were convicted for. Deep conviction they held, the ancients, until modern times. All believing people had deep conviction about verse 3. The first thing that is mentioned. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is the first conviction they had? They were absolutely sure whether he was a great scientist or a man on the road. Whether you were Isaac Newton or a simple Isaac, you knew God created this universe. You did not believe in evolution. That's where it begins. They knew Genesis 1.1 was absolute truth. And they received it as truth. Because you, your conviction, whether it is creation or evolution, will define how you think about everything else. And churches have moved away from creation to evolution. And along that, they changed the nature of God. And then came abortion and transgender and homosexuality. Everything was hal. You know, where do you open the door? You opened your door in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. You changed your conviction about that. And the rest came in. That's where you went wrong. The ancients were commended because they were steadfast in their faith about the first thing. If you doubt Genesis 1, 1, you will start doubting everything else. The first verse in the Bible is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we do not realize how it affects our thinking and our actions. Everything. Science has taken over our thinking. What does science say? Evolution. What God say? Creation. And science has taken over the entire realm of the world. And based on science, decisions are being made 
that affect a society, a nation, a whole world. Even now, this whole world of our coronavirus is split into two scientific groups. One is total quarantine, one is gradual isolation. Actually, everything they are saying and asking us to do, nobody knows whether it will work. That's why one of Trump's truth, uh, tweet will be the cure worse than the disease. See, science will never tell you with absolute surety anything because they still do not know. Science is in the process of evolving and they keep on correcting themselves. God is set. God is set. That's why these two modules were there from science and Boris uh, Johnson went by module 2 and then pressure increased, he went to module 1. Complete quarantine, shut down the country. Two modules are being tested on the entire universe by science that taken over because you don't believe in Genesis 1-1. If this had happened in a time where all the scientists were like Isaac Newton and uh, uh, Madame Curie and all believers, the, the what they would have heard was something different. So the question you have to ask is that when a whole world is being shut down and affected by a crisis, unprecedented, where is God? Where is God? God is not in the picture at all. Where is God? What you have is religion. One man who supposedly leads one billion people over there going with this thing and walking like bowing before a saint asking for him. The guy doesn't even know what he is doing. He's speaking to a billion people and they're all looking at the view. Oh, our leader is doing and they're all feeling so good. Is there any solution? No. Your country is facing the most deaths than anybody else. It is supposed to be a man of God. And in that religion he says when he speaks, God speaks. Ex-cathedra. And you're going to some place and bowing before some saint who is supposed to intercede in this crisis. Because the plight the world is caught in. That's where we see religion. Two verses, one. Prophet and priest, Moses was vindicated. Why? Because he heard. Did Moses say anything? No. He kept quiet. So if you heard from God, you don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you. You don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you. A little later, it is 250 leaders. Does God only speak through you? 250 verses too. They just disappeared from the face of the earth. God turned up. A little later, 600,000. You know, every time Moses was vindicated. Now you look back. Whether it was his own brother and sister, older to him, priest and uh, prophet, prophetess, position and gift, or 250 leaders, or the whole nation. Why was he vindicated every time? Because he heard. It's as simple as that. Whatever he did. He did because he heard. God led Israel. Through whom? Through Moses. How did he lead? Through Moses. Moses heard. Moses heard. You know in the midst of every crisis. Where it's a pandemic like this. Which affects us all. Personally. Locally. 
You know what you need? All you need to is hear. All you need is to hear from God. That's why I keep telling. I've heard. Stay in. Listen to what they are saying. Stay in. Don't fear. Nobody is going to die. Stay in. But don't test the Lord thy God. Just stay in. Stay in. Nothing is going to happen. Just stay in and be wise. Don't have Dutch faith. There's no word called Dutch faith. So the whole question is, as our minds, like Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the this world. World has its own way of thinking. But be trans, as a thinking being transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable and perfect. Has my thinking been radically changed? Radically changed? Because if you believe Genesis 1-1, then God factors into everything. And all I need to do is use my free will to surrender to God's will. To use my free will, utilize it to fulfill His will. You know, before any of their journey in the wilderness took place, God took Moses first 40 years earlier into the wilderness. His quarantine was 40 years. Forty years quarantine this man got. Okay. Shut him in. Forty years in the desert. God spoke to him only when he was ready. You will see that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. And we will look in detail, a little detail. Exodus 3, 3 and 4. Forty years is up. He's been a shepherd, taking care of his father-in-law's flock. And then suddenly one day he sees a rare sight. This bush has been burning, 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 burning. Then he realized, Dua. Smoke bhi nahi hai. Dua, you know, no. Doop. What do you say? Dua. Dua. Okay. Dua also means, yeah? Mercy also, no? No. That is Urdu, Dua? Urdu, okay. No, no smoke. It's burning. Something that burns for that long should be burned up. It's getting not burned up too. What is this strange thing, sight? So scripture says, I will now turn aside and see this great side, why the bush does not burn. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God spoke. That's the first time God spoke to Moses. He turned aside. But you need to realize there were many turns in Moses' life before that. There are different turns in a person's life. Some of the turns are what we call providential. You without even having any clue, God is doing stuff in your life because you are already chosen before the beginning of the world. There could be other turnings in your life where God doesn't speak to you, but God speaks to you through secondary sources. Then a day has to come into your life where you hear from the primary source himself. Providence, secondary source, and primary source. This is the first time the primary source. When he was born... He was hidden for three months. 
Genesis, uh, Exodus account says, but Hebrews accounts will say by faith. So parents hid, had an idea. Whatever way, by faith. Some way they heard. So providential, first turn. Second turn, three months later, another turn it took. He went into the Pharaoh's house as a baby. That's a providential turn. When all the boys were being killed, the one who would kill the Pharaoh is being fed nicely in the Pharaoh's house. That is God's idea of a joke. The one who will destroy this Pharaoh one day is being fed nicely by at his own table is eating. Third turn, getting out by faith. It's what I call secondary faith. This is my term, okay? Not primary faith, secondary faith. You have heard through somebody that this is who you really are. You're a child of God, do you know? So he heard by secondary source, he heard. And scripture says, at the age of 40, you have sec- you don't have a primary source where you know the ways of God. You have secondary source where you have heard about this God. So you thought, okay, I've been chosen. For what? To deliver the children of Israel. Because you don't have a primary source of the ways of God. You went to secondary source. You took God and brought your ways into it. He took the sword and tack. Next thing you know, he's running for his life. But that was God's plan. Quarantine him for 40 years. Fourth turn is what would change his life. Like I said, do you know why the world is in such a mess? It's not because of plagues or poverty. Egypt went worse situation than that. And Israel went through worse crisis than that in that 40 years. It's because there are no men who hear. Ten plagues, unbelievable plagues all over Egypt with no casualties in the Egyptian camp. You know why? Because one man heard and they obeyed him. When they came out, you have to look at this stage by stage by stage by stage by stage. Before I go there, let me tell you. Why did he put, lock him up for 40 years in Egypt? Go to Exodus, Acts chapter 7 verse 22. Got it? Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egyptians, mighty in words, mighty in deeds. Okay? And if you go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you come down to the pleasures of Egypt. That is 25. Pleasures of sin of Egypt, okay? Four things are here. All the wisdom of Egypt, meaning it was brilliant academically in the world. Mighty in words, he was an incredible speaker. Mighty soldier. See, these three combinations very rarely happen. Is one of a rare breed in the world. Incredibly intellectual, incredible speaker, incredible soldier, and has lived a life of sin, of pleasure. These four things he's got. God has to use him. 
as to use him. He's the man who is chosen. So shut him for 40 years. One, take his wisdom out, the ways of Egypt. Two, don't, don't, uh, trust your oratory skills to gather Israel. No. Don't use your military academy skills and the wards you led for Pharaoh to lead the people out. No. Four, a man of flesh cannot be led by God. Forty years, shut him up. Training was tough. Incredibly tough training God gave him. Humbled himself. Emptied him. How did he humble himself? By working for his father-in-law. Humiliating. Humiliating. Nothing he brought into Jethro's house. Nothing. Humiliated. Humbled, 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 humbled. Then he heard. He had to be brought to the end of himself. And when he was ready, God knew he was ready. God knows when every one of us are ready. And then he will speak to you. It's our job to get ready. It's our job to get ready. So God doesn't speak. He knows when he can speak to us. He spoke to me in 86. I said, no, 88. I said, no way am I coming into full-time ministry. He kicked me in by 1994 and I was just waiting for him to speak again. He said, I'm calling. I said, here I am. <laughs> Six years had passed by. He knows. Then we are ready to hear. He doesn't waste words. Please remember. God's a man of few words in the beginning. Then he speaks when you obey. So if you come to Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 to 18. Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them the way of the land of Philistines, although there was that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Okay, So we don't understand God's ways, but he knows us. He knows the people. He knows the enemy. He knows the people. So God led the people around by the way of wilderness of the Red Sea. So God knows each one of us. And we will say, Lord, why can't you take me from here to there? It's so easy, so near. God says, no, go this way. But Lord, that is very funny. Just go that way. I know the obstacles that is on the way. And I know you. You think you can handle it, but I know you cannot handle it. So go this way. Because we all think we, we can. But God knows we can't. So God led the people round by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. How are they going? Boy, if you see them marching, you think they will fight anybody. That is the flesh. They are ready. That's what they think. When you come to chapter 14, verse 6 and 9. 6 onwards. 6 onwards, okay? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Who is that? Pharaoh. How did he? He took 600 choice chariots. And all the chariots of Egypt, with the captains over every one of them, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh the king, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with? They are going out with boldness. March! 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 Then they looked to the back. So the East Egyptians pursued them all the way. 
all the horses. Please. His horsemen, his army overtook them camping by the sea beside Pihazra. And when the Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes, behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. So all their boldness just evaporated. This is boldness of the flesh. And Israel cried out to the Lord. You see that? Everything went. And verse 13 and 14. Yeah, 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, one man who has heard. See the difference? One man who heard said, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. One man, that's a different message altogether. Different things he asks you to do spiritually. First, don't be afraid. Second, be still. Rest. Rest. Don't be afraid. Deal with what causes restlessness in you. It is fear of the scene that is causing restlessness in you. Be still. Why? The salvation of the Lord. Keep your eyes on the unseen. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Stop being afraid by the scene. Keep your eyes on the unseen. Deal with the restless and inside. Be at rest. Why? The Lord, you will see this, what the deliverance, the salvation which will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now why you was able to all say all that? Why? Because he heard. You know how you handle situations in your life, crisis situation in your hand? There's only one solution. You hear. You hear. Chapter 15. We know what happened. Opened up the Red Sea, took them through. Chapter 15. Verses 22 to 25. And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out in the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. As we explain how it is the bitterness inside reflecting outside. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Solution? Verse 25. He cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed it. What are the answer? He heard. There's a situation in your life. And he heard. See, when you look at all these things, you have to believe. Forget all those mainline good preachers who will tell you, no, this is it. Everything has closed. Canon has closed. You just have to go by the written word. Yes, the spirit still speaks through the written word. He still speaks. He's still alive. He's a God who still speaks. And that is what will change your life in a crisis. God spoke and he showed him what he should do. The interpretations of all that you know. But the key point here is not that. He heard. If you go to chapter 16. Verse 4. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out. Why? They were now hungry. Moses said, what should we do? And God said, This is what is going to happen. 
So these are all situations of either facing an enemy, which you cannot defeat, it's too difficult for you, like the virus, or you're facing a lack, thirst is an incredible lack in your life, lack of bread is a lack in your life, these are all life and death matters. But in every situation, in the wilderness, a man who had been humbled, heard, he brought salvation to the people. He brought salvation to the people. In chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, Four and five. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take also in your hand the rod with which you struck the river and go. And do what? Strike the rod. People are getting mad. People are getting agitated. And like Boris Johnson Shift from module 1 to shift to module 2. Because the people all got agitated. So many people are in the this thing. Spreading fast. So he shifted immediately quarantine. That's what political leaders do. They don't hear from God. So what they will do? They will look at the pulse of the people. They will switch this side and that side. This side and that side. This side and that side. Because they don't hear. And without realizing, they are changing destinies of millions. Because democracies are run on the pulse of the opinion balls. It's all that. But God's kingdom is not run on opinion, polls, on feeling. The people are so mad. They want to kill Moses. And God said, not a problem. Just stand there. Take a stick. You got your stick with you, right? Yes, Lord. Hit. What is the whole purpose of it all? What is the whole purpose of God humbling Moses? So that he could hear and be a leader. Be a leader. Turn to Exodus 19 and verse 6 if I am right. 19.6 And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Who is he talking to? Entire? So why did he lead them into the wilderness? To make leaders out of all of them. Did you see that? You know why he led? He led them into the wilderness for the same reason he led Moses into the wilderness. To make leaders. Who are priests? God's leaders on earth. What do they do? Lead people into salvation. But did they become? No. Do we know how to read? How to read? Because the coronavirus is like a Red Sea. like a Red Sea. You can't go back. Why? Pharaoh is there. You can't go forward because the coronavirus is. Everybody is shut inside their houses. Everybody is shut in their houses. You can't go out. You cannot go forward. You cannot go backward. What did we do? And many churches have learned. We lifted the word up. And God made a way. God made a way. And he's made up three ways. God made a way. But I will tell you what happens with all churches. Everyone will have a service today. And that's it. And you know what they actually do after that? They worship. Sing and sing and sing and sing and sing. But they have no word. 
to feed their people in famine. Without realizing this, 21 days is God given. In 21 days, 5 hours, 6 hours, 7 hours a day, you can have a set of Bible graduates coming out who know their God, who understand the ways of God, if they choose. What an opportunity for the kingdom of God. What an opportunity for the kingdom of God. What an opportunity. Think about it. What an opportunity. That's what I said. This too will be wasted, sadly. What an opportunity. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 11 again. As we come to the close. Verse 4. Third we read, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. How did his worship change? How is the first man in the world who defines worship? Because he heard. Because he heard. No? Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. That's what we are doing. That's, that's what our worship is, right? Hebrews 12, sorry, Romans 12, 1. What is our worship? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, eh? And who's the one who taught us first? Evil. That you cannot worship without a sacrifice. You cannot worship without a sacrifice. And Abel worshipped once and died, and God is saying, I'm calling a set of people who will always worship me. Always worship. What are they worshipping? What are they sacrificing? Their flesh. There are a set of people who sacrifice their flesh. They sacrifice their flesh. When their flesh is sacrificed, you start hearing. You start hearing. You start hearing. When you start hearing, you start your walk with God, step by step. You cannot hear when your flesh is strong. That's why Israel never heard. If you listen to all their complaints, every complaint was a complaint of the flesh. Every complaint was a complaint of the flesh. Every complaint. It was not a complaint of the body. It was a complaint of the flesh. You have to understand the difference between the complaint of the body and the complaint of the flesh. If your body is very thirsty, you will still drink bitter water. Right? If you're really, really thirsty, even if the water is bitter, you will drink it. Because you're thirsty. The water, the, what quenches your thirst is the water. The bitterness is not the problem. It's the water that quenches. Water is there. But if it is your flesh, also that is thirsty, then you want sweet water. Sweet. There is water. Now can I have tang, please? Oh, Sprite. Have you seen people who come from West? Ever drink water? I've seen deliverance pastors sitting with big bottle of Pepsi. I think this man need to be delivered first. <laughs> Have you seen them? Drinking water? Wasn't manna good? So it was not the hunger of the body. It was the hunger of the flesh. It was the hunger of the flesh. Does he hunger of the flesh? We're tired of this one now. See, there was thirst. 
there was hunger. And God was testing them, showing them what is inside. You know what? Your problem is not that you are thirsty or hungry. But you are just thirsty and hungry in the body. I can speak to you. But I cannot speak to you as long as your flesh is alive. You won't hear me. I cannot speak to carnal men and women. I cannot. And this is the stuff that church needs to know. Because if we don't hear and God loves us, he won't take us back, but he won't take us forward. Did he feed them? Yes. Has there any Christian any complaint that he has not eaten? Yes. Are you moving? Yes. In a line or in circles? Circles. Good exercise, God said, I'm feeding you, you need exercise, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. After some time they will say, hey, 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 Aaron, huh, Miriam, isn't that where we camped last month? Ah, so we come back to the same point, yeah. <laughs> I also thought so it looked familiar. Two years later. What a sad story of Christianity. What a sad story, okay, of life. Pray for me, pastor. Yes, what is, now today is our 40th wedding anniversary. Meaning, you have been married for 40 years, but that 40 years has been like the first year. Nothing has changed. Have you grown in each other? Have you grown knowing each other? Because the whole purpose of marriage was you would become one. So this is not 40th anniversary. This is the first anniversary. Repeated 40 times. Because everything is connected with God. Because if you do not look into God and Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you don't understand purpose. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 gives you everything what God is. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. Yes Lord, that is who you are. I am a creationist. You created and everything, I will go back to God. What does God have to say about it? Is this evolution? Is this evolutionary science? Is it science or is it God? It doesn't match. It doesn't matter to me. God says so. God made the male and female. So first know your identity. Are you male or female? No, I'm transiting. No, you are not. <laughs> if you're struggling and it's a real struggle in your body, it's okay. You understood the word? Go to God. He will stop your transition. He will confirm you in your sexuality. Don't worry. Don't worry, there is a God that is above all this. There is a confuser in the realm 2. There is a confirmer in realm 3. Go to him, he will confirm you in your sexuality and in your gender. You don't have to migrate up and down, up and down. Today, male, tomorrow, female. You don't have to. There is somebody who will confirm you, your identity in Christ. In Christ, you have to be either a man or a woman. You cannot be, I don't know, today I think I am a man in Christ. Tomorrow I think, no, there is no confusion in Christ. It's absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. This is the problem. And once you have known your positions, you need to realize, where do I stand? Am I a man or a woman? So if I am a man, what am I? I am a head. That means I need to lead. The question is, to lead, every leader has to be first a follower. Every good leader is a good follower. Otherwise, you cannot be a leader. If I am a head and I am called to be a head and I am positionally put there as a head, am I following? And I cannot follow unless I hear. 
unless I hear. I have to hear so that when my wife asks, I should be able to say, it's okay, I heard. I heard. And since you said it, it's good. What you heard is the same. What I heard, it's confirmation for me, but I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. And that's where it happens. And then when you know that you are a woman, you need to realize, I'm called to follow. Follow. And why is Sarah exalted in Peter? Because she followed. What do you see about Sarah in the entire Genesis account? She followed. And she's accepted holy woman of the past. She followed. Why did she follow? Because she had deep convictions that her husband had heard from God. Even when he had not heard from God. Even when he had not heard from God. She never questioned what he heard. And therefore God protected her. And we need to look at all these things because you need to realize without faith it is impossible to please God. Once I am born again by faith and the spirit of God dwells in me, my entire motivation of everything that I and you we do has to be I want to please God. Read the Bible with that heart, you will suddenly realize God will open your eyes. Any child who is listening, any child is listening, you really want to know what your father wants you to do, go ask your father, Daddy, what do you want me to do? What will please you? Suddenly you realize your father will speak to you. Because all this time you went and told your father what pleased you. So your father had very few words for you. Daddy, can I have ice cream? Okay. Or don't eat. It's not good for your throat. You only heard from your daddy connected with what pleased you. Now change the trajectory and go to daddy and say, what pleases you? What pleases you? That's what Jesus always heard. Because he said, I will not please myself. I will only please my father. And therefore he says, my father has never left me. He's always with me. Change. Children practice now. All my little ones are watching, starting with Abigail, the leader. No? Start. Established rocks. That's your gang's name, right? Established rocks. All you established little rocks. Go to your daddy and mommy and ask, what is that will please you if I do? That's how it begins. That's how it begins. Samuel pleased his mother. David pleased his father. Joseph pleased his father. And they grew up and pleased God. All three of them. Three boys. About whose upbringing we know. Joseph's ten elder brothers never pleased their father. So they never pleased God at any point in their life. Except once by Judah. David's brothers never pleased anybody. So you just them. They have to live under David. You have to look at these things from examples in the Bible and say, hey, that's what you're saying. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He first says, sit still, put your bodies on pause button, and then start hearing my word. That is what Mary did. You know what? She looks. 
20 people have come in, more are coming in, and our culture demands we feed all of them. There is this thing, I know, I know, my sister will get mad at me, she will scream at me, I know, I know. So it's a living sacrifice for her to sit there. Not easy, it's a, it's a sacrifice involved. She knows after they all, she thought after they got, I will get a year full. She got it when they were there. She got it when they were there. She thought after. She knew her sister very well. So it had to be a living sacrifice quietly sitting there. It will cost you to hear from God. <coughs> cost you to hear from God. You know? And we should be willing to pay that price. Moses was willing to pay the price. 40 years. 3 years Paul. 30 years Jesus. 20 years Jacob. Boy, these people's life you need to realize. But they all heard. They all heard. That's what changed life. You cannot take that out. Fathers and brethren, you need to hear when our father Abraham was in the earth of the Chaldeans, God spoke. And Abraham heard. They had no doubts. They were not children. They were not babies. They were not like little Samuel. Samuel, did you call me? No. Samuel, did you call me? No. Why? Because he had never heard from God. So he didn't know. He's a kid. Did you call me? No. Okay, then he said, okay, you know what? If again you hear, this is what you said. That was the only time Samuel ran to man to confirm. After that, Samuel understood. And he heard. And he heard. And he heard. And he heard. So don't take that hearing out of faith. But be established in the word so that when you hear, you know it is God who is speaking. And not the devil. Because the devil also can speak with the same tone. And deceive you if you do not know your word. You know your word. For it is written. It is also written. Who told him? The Spirit told him. So don't have this hearing like so many big time pastors have this hearing and there is no word there at all. The Lord spoke to me. And? No, he spoke to me. He appeared before me. He spoke to me. Okay. But what he spoke doesn't agree with the word. No, I was miraculously conceived in my mother's womb. My mother carried me for 19 months. Then he must be an elephant. Because elephant's gestation period is 19 months. There's one big man in Africa. The stories about him, his mother carried him for 19 months. Big time preacher. Even Jesus was delivered on time. <laughs> and these people have mass following. Mass following. No. And when people do not know their word, they are open to be de- being deceived. But when you know your word, when you do not hear, again the problem comes. So this morning's message is, Lord, let me hear. Lord, let me hear. This 21 days, Lord, speak to me. It's not like God spoke to Abraham. He will speak to you from within as you read your word, meditate, or even now. He will speak to you. God who really, 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 really speaks. And in the midst of this coronavirus, he's 
preparing and teaching of people to hear because more terrible times are prophesied ahead in his word. You can either believe your word or believe the government. Government says, Iski baad achche din ayega. Jesus says, Nay, bura din ayega. You can choose. Worst things. To the point God says, it is still be so terrible, never happened in human history. If God did not shorten the days, even the very elect will not be saved. Meaning the pressure would be so much, the elect also would want to give up. And God shortens the days. Kind of trouble never seen from the beginning of human history. That's God's word. And God says, how do you come through that darkness? You? Hear. You hear. Learn to hear. Learn to hear. So there is rest and there is hearing. When you have rest, when you hear, then God is able to the works he had prepared for us even before the foundations of the world was laid. And what are those works? The works of Christ. Christ lives in you. Everybody is saved. Now Christ works through you. That's the only works that are counted. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. This afternoon, this first, this, this last Sunday of the month, we just surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord, and I pray, Father, each one of your children who listened, listening, will listen in the days to come, will first labor to enter into that rest. Identify every issue in their life that causes restlessness and lay it at your feet. If it is a sin, repent, forsake, and believe you are faithful. If it is a weight, just cast it down. Because God cannot speak to restless people. All of Israel was restless, so you couldn't speak to them. One man was at rest, and you spoke to him. So I pray each one, will enter into your rest each day and learn to hear of you, Lord, in their own personal situation so that everyone at that hour comes will rise up as a servant of God in their own settings. A true leader who hears and makes decisions because he has deep convictions of who God is. Deep held convictions. Not shallow. Starting from Genesis 1.1. That God created everything down all the way to Revelation 22, 21. Deep held convictions about God. A mind that is being and is transferred completely in the ways and the will of God. Unshakable, immovable, steadfast in faith. And in that faith, men and women will stand and resist the devil and he will flee from them. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over all the church, Lord, our churches, our people, over the doorposts, over their lives. This plague will pass over them. If anybody is infected, I speak your healing into their bodies. Your healing. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be encouraged and empowered in Jesus' name. And be still in Jesus' name, and see the deliverance of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, by faith, we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, Lord. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. 
We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.